Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. Shavuos is a time for receiving the Torah, not just for the Jewish people, but for non-Jews as well. Uh, we read the book of Rus on Shavuos um, and a beautiful uh, medrash that um, is wild, widely known, but I'll repeat it now if you haven't heard it, is that um, when God offered the Torah to the Jewish people, before he offered it to the Jews, he offered it to other nations who did not accept it. But there were individuals within those nations that actually wanted the Torah, but it was going to be a nation-only deal. Um, and there's an idea that people who convert are the people that wanted the Torah back when the Torah was going to be given uh, during the times of Matan Torah, the, when the Torah was given. Um, and so it's always special for us to speak to a convert during Shavuos time. Um, and today we have a very special woman with us named Yael Soto. Uh, she has a background working in the entertainment industry, um, is a project manager, and now she works in nonprofit. Um, but certainly uh, anything media related and conversion and orthodoxy related is definitely up our alley. So Yael, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, yes, thank you for having me. I really appreciate this. Um... Yeah. And, um, you know, another interesting thing about uh, your background, you know, as we're doing our advocacy in Hollywood around representation, minority representation, you actually have kind of two different minority identities. So um, so where, you know, where do you come from before the States? Where where does your family hail from originally? Uh, my parents are both uh, from Peru. Uh, so they grew up in Lima. Uh, my My grandparents are uh, from the mountains, mainly in the um, Cerro de Pasco, uh, some Andean villages and everything. So, but yeah, that's pretty much. Um, and and where did you grow up? I grew up in Queens, New York, uh, in Elmhurst. So, um, you, I think it was in the You were around some Jews in Elmhurst, but maybe less Jews in Peru. Um, well, I only, my first interaction with Peru was when I was 12 years old, but like my entire life has, you know, just been in New York, uh, New Jersey. I went to school there. Um, but actually, um, in Elmhurst, Queens is a very Latino neighborhood, especially in the eighties and nineties. So, um, I really didn't have much interaction with the Jewish community, except I do remember seeing like the Rebbe's picture like in, in the media and everything. I mean, he was definitely quite famous um, for New Yorkers. Um, so, And that's... do you have any other like recollections of seeing Jews or Orthodox Jews depicted in media kind of in your, in your non-Jewish life before you had connected to the community? Yes, definitely the Black Cat community. So in Crown Heights, um, again, like those images and pictures were uh, pretty popular, um, you know, just living in New York. Um, secular, uh, the secular Jewish community, obviously there was like a lot of, you know, uh, reference, cultural references to that in our everyday lives, uh, just in movies, like with Woody Allen. Um, I, I, I mean, just in terms of Orthodox community, just making like envisioning, like just black hat trench coats, um, and then just them being very secluded and in their own, in their own communities. Yeah, I would say that that is um, kind of usually the most positive portrayal that um, <laughs> Orthodox Jews get in media to be kind of seclusive as the the nicest trait. And then it usually gets much worse from there as opposed to, you know, now living as an Orthodox Jewish person yourself, do you feel like a seclusive person? 
not at all. Absolutely not. <laughs> so um, I just know that it was um, it was just assumed that uh, the Orthodox community was, you know, very extreme. I didn't know exactly what that meant, just knowing that they were very religious. Um, and then they just keep to their own. Um, but just now being in the Orthodox community, I, I find that completely the opposite, um, especially uh, within the women, like the women's like community, like everyone is always like doing something with uh, schooling, speech therapists, that's huge, um, psychologists, um, like these are career oriented women um, that I've always been, um, you know, in around. And so I, I find that completely different, you know, when I was growing up, just the portrayal in media, where it was very uh, male dominated, uh, the women are always um, just not seen. Um, I don't want to say in the background, but um, but I just always remember as a child growing up, like the men were predominantly like facing, you know, in the spotlight um, and you don't really see a lot of women or women influences. Um, but now just being in the Orthodox community, um, I see the women in the forefront all the time. You know, and, you know, I have, obviously have relationships like with uh, Rabbanim, you know, and have Shilas and, and things like that. But I always, um, I always go to, to women for, for guidance. Why our Orthodox, uh, that's why our organization is so woman uh, facing forward, uh, because that, that is the truth. There really are a lot of strong and um, empowered women within our community in real life. Um, when you get outside of Hollywood, um, were you raised in um, a different faith before you became Jewish or not particularly religious? Uh, we were not particularly religious. Um, we were Catholic when it was convenient um, for um, being a child growing up in New York, especially in the public school system. It really wasn't the best environment. So um, out of convenience, we did go to Catholic school, um, my siblings and I. Uh, so that was always a, a safe space. And But it was um, very, uh, it was still very a secular environment. Like our teachers were regular public school teachers. Um, it was co-ed. Uh, we had uniforms, um, but in terms of in the house, like religious um, training or or education, we didn't like have any of that. Um, and that mainly started from my grandfather. Uh, he just um, wanted the family to be unaffiliated mainly. So, I, and it just wasn't, um, it wasn't anything in regards to being anti-religious. It was just, that wasn't part of, you know, um, the upbringing that my father and uncles had, and then that just trickled down to us. What about a relationship with God or a belief in God? Was that part of your framework? Um, I would say yes, but it was a very high level. I didn't understand who God was and exactly how we identify God. He was just an all-powerful, all-knowing being, and our main um, connection to this all-powerful being was through uh, a third-party person. Mm -hmm. um, right, so that's the part that uh, doesn't exist in Judaism. Um, and then, <laughs> tell, us, um, tell us about the Jewish journey. Um, when, why, how did uh, Judaism enter your life if you didn't grow up with it? Uh, so I, yeah, we didn't grow up with anything really religious or something that was very dominantly religious in our house. Um, I believe, um, the first exposure that I had was, you know, my sister, she, um, had a, you know, um, 
she married her her first boyfriend who just happened to be secular Jewish but again it, it wasn't anything remotely like religious or observant except for the major holidays like for them which was Hanukkah and and, uh, and Pesach. Um, how I got introduced to Judaism was um, in a very non like orthodox way which was uh, basically in a club <laughs> so um, so my girlfriends and I um, is also going through, you know, my own personal um, growth. I just happened to be in a position where I wanted more in life. And I was really looking towards my career, my education and, um, and money to really fulfill myself. And I didn't find it um, in that in the secular world and as as an atheist. Um, so basically, I remember my girlfriend's taking me out, um, you know, and New York City um, club nightlife like environment and like the idea was really like just to go out and have fun be with our girlfriends and you know like kind of what you see um, the typical like uh, you know sex in the city type environment but you know without the, the R-rated stuff um, and it was uh, fairly innocent and our club promoter just happened um, to be um, like Israeli and they were the only thing that they really observed was um, cashless. So that's how I got exposed um, really to, you know, that side of Orthodox Judaism, which it was so intimately close, like right in front of my face. Cause again, I didn't see that from my brother-in-law and I also didn't see that really in the media. It was just mainly, you know, right here in my, in my face. And that kind of just intrigued me in the beginning. Fascinating. So, okay, so you meet the uh, the club um, promoter who keeps kosher, and then <laughs> where, how, like, what's your next step? You're not thinking about converting. You're not like, wow, let me stop eating bacon. I'd like to become a Jew. <laughs> um, yeah, how, how does, um, how do you get more engaged in, you know, in Judaism to the point that you want to become one of us? I mean, that's like really, that's a great question. And, and as a Balchuva, a lot of times people who are from, from birth have said to me, like, I don't know if I would choose to become observant if I was raised secular. And I think, you know, people might also say to someone born not Jewish, I don't know if I would choose to become Jewish. This is a hated people. I mean, I happen to love being Jewish. I think that we have the most wonderful, you know, um, way of life and the most, you know, joyous uh, rituals and uh, you know, people in our community to be so proud of and a history and a land to be so proud of. But um, one could look at the Jewish people and say, um, yeah, you're kind of um, hated throughout all of time and the world. Why are you joining? <laughs> um, well, mainly that had to start with uh, with me internally. Like usually when people make such a huge life decision like this, um, it could always like people always look at the outside forces. And um, in this case, um, what may have seemed like an outside force really was coming from the inside. So in, I was just happened to be going through um, a really like personal breakup at the time, which kind of really changed my life in terms of how I saw myself and how I behaved in that relationship. Um, I, I am writing a piece where I, I go more into detail um, with that in my article for you. Um, but just the long story short, um, in this relationship, I did not. Um, I did not like my own personal behavior and I felt like I should have known better. I should have done better. And I just, the way that my father 
and my grandfather raised me was we are always accountable for our actions. And that's kind of where I started off, where, where I became an atheist. Um, I went, uh, I was in this, you know, what I thought at the time, a very beautiful relationship, but unfortunately I did not behave accordingly the way that I should have. Um, and it, it just kind of haunted me that I really was capable of treating another human being that way. Um, so post that breakup, um, I was looking for more meaning in my life. And that's where I came to, all right, well, if there is no God and this is, you know, it, and if we are accountable for our actions, um, the best that I can do is just, you know, bury myself in my career, make money so I could support my, my family, my parents in the future. At the time, I never wanted to get married or, or have children. Um, and I just was focused on, on that as a lifestyle and it wasn't making me happy at all. Um, being free and being quote unquote free and like not living by any rules, but your own kind of like being your own God, it's very depressing because you feel like you control everything, all the causes and effects that happen in your life, you control it all. Um, and that wasn't giving me happiness the way I thought it would, you know, you're, you're living in, I'm growing up in New York City. There's a community for anything. I could literally be whoever I wanted, grow into being the person that I wanted to be. I had like the world was like the everything was laid out for me in terms of my own free personal choice to choose. Um, and all of that freedom did not give me any happiness or meaning or purpose or real direction in life. Um, so after this breakup, I, my one of my best friends, she was like, you have to get out there like you're you know you're mourning this loss and you know while she was very supportive you know in terms of me healing she was also like we got to get you out there and like meet someone else <laughs> so um and it's very typical you know and you, when you're in your 20s um you know you you go out um the nightlife scene in new york it's you know very entertaining fascinating and fun um, but honestly, we were just there, me and my three other girlfriends, like the four of us, we were just um, happy to just be together, dance, live our lives. Um, and it just so happened that, you know, while I was, you know, sad and mopey in this, you know, in this disco club, <laughs> um, uh, the the club promoter came and, you know, was just like, you need to like snap out of it. Like, we're like taking you to all the nice, these nice places in New York and you're just sitting here and moping around. And that's kind of how my girlfriends and I, you know, became close to this person. Um, and then I just have a week after week, you know, we're going out with the same person and, you know, they're, you know, showing us around like the city. Um, and then you just start noticing little things. And just in my, you know, I don't know, just in my mindset, I just started noticing little things about how this person aids and then kind of led me to be like, well, what is that? What are you doing? And because of my brother-in-law at the time, I'm like, well, why do you eat kosher? Like I knew what kosher was, but I didn't, I've never really met an observant, you know, I've never met an observant Jew before. So I'm in my head, uh, that's kind of what intrigued me with like, oh, this is interesting. This is fascinating. Like, let me look into this, you know, and, and then that's where it, the first breadcrumb like kind of was laid out for me. And then um, what came after that? What, um, <laughs> what was the journey after uh, finding out about this promoter, this kosher lifestyle? 
Well, their kosher lifestyle was just very, I mean, superficial for me. It was um, kind of hypocritical, um, but it was also beautiful in a way where, you know, this person wasn't perfect and they were still doing something that meant something to them. Mm-hmm. And I looked at that and, you know, just with what I was going through with my own personal struggle and my own journey, I, I looked at that and I said, that doesn't make sense at all but it really means so much to this person so like what is it about eating cashews like what is it about cashews that that makes it so special and I was at the time in a very vulnerable place and I was looking for something that was more meaningful to me that was really going to take me out of one distract me from my own you know my own pain and two uh, it, it could have been anything, you know, and that's the part where I tell people that, you know, it's a little bit scary, but you kind of see Hashem's hand in your life. It could have been anything. It could have been, you know, people always tell me like, why Judaism? It's like, I, I don't know. Like it could have been a Muslim person. It could have been someone who was a Hare Krishna or, uh, or anything like that. And it, it, it wasn't, it just happened to be, you know, a, a Jewish person, um, that was doing something so strange, so odd and so peculiar. Um, and I just needed something to get me out of, you know, the, the darkness that I was currently living in. And that just happened to be what intrigued me. Um, it was uh, interesting that there really is no, I mean, just, there really is no reason for eating cashews, but only that like Hashem commands us to. Um, I know we always try to understand it in our studies, but I've always learned that, you know, cashews is a hook. So the fact that I'm trying to find out, you know, as an atheist, like, why do Jews eat kosher food? um, There really is no answer to it. So when I couldn't find out what the answer was on my own, um, I sought out, you know, um, basically Google. Google, like, if it wasn't for Google, I wouldn't learn anything about Judaism, to be honest. But like, Google led me to, you know, this uh, uh, conservative rabbi who literally had a class about you know what Jews believe in and I'm like ah I'll figure it out there you know so at that time like my girlfriends and I were already like kind of like fading out of the club scene you know we're like doing other things together like traveling and you know doing girlfriend things um and again that was also really helpful just in terms of you know having um having a healthy outlet you know for what I was going through because I was still mourning the loss of, you know, my first boyfriend and also grappling with what I did and being held accountable for that. So that's, um, uh, that's kind of like what led me to, you know, still keep investigating like what cashless was and why, you know, why I wanted to study it. I, you know, again, it was, you know, I, I wasn't in like the right place and I was looking for distractions and this was, you know, a healthy distraction to like, keep me, um, to keep my mind busy. So you, okay. So you're watching a class from a conservative rabbi and then what do you, um, why, like what propels you forward? Um, for the next <laughs> um, I, I don't know. It, it was, um, in the beginning, the classes was something, was a new hobby. You know, it's like having a new hobby because the last thing I wanted to do was be alone at home. Um, because every time I was alone, I would think about the breakup. Every time I was so alone. So you're now going to multiple Jewish classes. No, just one, just one class. One class, okay. 
Yes, it was just one class. That's all I was ready for. Because so, I, I was still not sure whether God existed or not. Mm. Um, and I was going at this um, with the goal of um, just learning about what Judaism was as a philosophy. Like, mm. I just like, well, I'll learn about Judaism as a philosophy. We can take God out of it. We don't need that, mm. you know, <laughs> um, as ironic as it sounds. Um, but what went little, from the class? Yeah, what was the class to kind of your next Jewish point from there? That led to after the class was over, I, I was ready to just let it be and find another hobby like to distract me. And um, at the end of the class, the rabbi um, invited me to uh, Shabbos service. Um, so just to that, clarify, so you went in person to a multi-series class. Yes. Is that what yes. we're saying? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. fine. So it wasn't like watching one video online. You started. No, no, no. This was like physical like i had to go to shul to learn okay, about so you are, you are a non-jewish woman attending a cautious class at a conservative synagogue to distract yourself from your breakup with your boyfriend got it okay clearing it up all now. <laughs> after this the rabbi invites you to his house for a shabbos knowing you're not jewish did you tell him you're not jewish yes oh that was the first thing i'm like i'm not jewish i don't believe in god i just want to know what again i had a, a big ego i was just very i had a wall built up and i'm like i just want to make sure that you know why i'm here um, and he, he invites me to his shul for a Shabbos service, like just to see what it's like. Um, and so I said I would go um, and I procrastinated. I, you know, three months later, I finally go to shul because um, I'm like, I'm the kind of person that I'm like, if I say I'm going to do something, I do it like that. That's who I am. It's in my blood. Um, so when he invited me, like I wasn't going to say no. But in the inside, I wanted to say no, because at that point I was done. Like I was done with Judaism. I was like, all right, this was fun. This was not doing anything for me. So, you know, this is the end of the series. I still don't know why people, you know, eat kosher, but whatever. I let, let's move on to the next thing to distract myself. Um, and then when he invites me to shul to see a, a Shabbos service, I'm like, sure, why not? And I go three months later and terrified, absolutely terrified because I thought I was going to get judged. I, you know, didn't wear all black as what I see in the media, you know, so I felt like I I wasn't enough to fit the part for what I saw portrayed in the media on Orthodox or even conservative, because even the word conservative was a lot for me. I was, I, I am still, you know, I'm completely a liberal person. So that title, Orthodox and Conservative, that that really made me very not trusting of the community because of how I saw Jews portrayed in the media. Because they were secluded, they were closed off, they don't let anyone in. And it's pretty, as a brown woman, it's pretty, you know, Anglo-Saxon portrayal. Um, did I see- Jews, Jews themselves also come from an indigenous place that's also never portrayed in, in media and right. <laughs> we're portrayed as white European, even though we do come from the Middle East and yes, our story and identity is also whitewashed. Um, so, okay. So, but you have all these fear and what's the service like? Um, it was so beautiful. Like there was a woman that immediately like went up to me. She's told me where to sit. She gave me a sitter. Um, she's like, here, we're on this page. You can follow along in English. I just felt very welcomed. I never felt that I was the, the Goyesha Brown girl in shul. You know, I, I, I just was treated like a human being. Absolutely. Like just with open arms. Um, and then 
just seeing the service, I didn't get it. It felt nice because of the music, like not actual music. It, it, there was singing and, and everything, but it just felt like a really safe environment. Um, and then after services was over, again, completely lost. I didn't get really much spirituality from it because, um, again, I'm still very closed off in terms of, you know, worshiping a god at that time. Uh, but the kiddish was just so beautiful, like just seeing like the community get together, um, just seeing that portrayal, that image reminded me a lot of my Latino upbringing in Queens, um, very um, familiar um community oriented everyone knows each other um in elmhurst um you know everyone knew each other on the block you know parents are friends with each other you know it's it's not the stereotypical like portrayal that you see new yorkers um where you know like we live in an apartment building and you don't talk to your neighbor absolutely not not in a latino community in a latino community when you're in an apartment building we all know each other um so that's how i felt and it felt a lot like home, but um, completely different. I, I was very shocked with that. Did your family come from Spain or Portugal before Peru? Uh, I'm not sure about my father's background, um, but my mother, she's, uh, her her family comes from Bosques in mm -hmm. Spain, um, but that's about where the lineage stops. So we can't really, you know, go back more records than that. Did you ever look for Jewish DNA? Not yet. I kind of want to, but um, I'm afraid of like sending my blood uh, to some. You know, it, um, I feel the same way. Right. Um, we were just in Spain. We were in Spain for Pesach, and we were told that 20% of Spaniards have Jewish DNA. I just mm -hmm. find these stories when a person who is raised without God and without Judaism goes to shul and says it feels like home. Like, what's happening there? Do you know what I mean? Like, what's happening mm -hmm. there? Okay, so keep keep us moving along. So shul feels like home. And then, like, when do you decide to go from conservative to orthodox? I mean, that's an even bigger leap. Oh, yeah. So I, I spent a year at the conservative shul because people were inviting me over for Shabbos meals. They kept inviting me over to the services um, and uh, also volunteering. So volunteering has always been, like, part of who I am. Um, so it just was a natural fit for me to just stay. And I'm like, well, I feel good. So why not keep doing this? Like nothing about conversion. I, and then um, just being in that environment, of course, you're learning Torah and I'm, you know, learning about the Parsha and like the Hagim. Um, and then I start getting into Jewish culture. My cousins see what, like they see what I'm doing and uh, they, uh, they recommend one of my cousins, he's a huge music um, uh, connoisseur. So he was listening to Modest Yahoo and he's like, yo, you should check check this guy out. He's like a reggae rapper. And so it was at a Modest Yahoo concert around Hanukkah time that um, this, um, I, there was like a Chabad group. They were giving out, you know, free things for Hanukkah. And and I start talking to one of, uh, one of the guys that was volunteering there. And then he's like, oh, well, like, why are you learning at a conservative shul? And then he's like, not in a bad way. He was just like, if you're thinking about converting, he's like, you need to do the orthodox route and I was like oh well I haven't really thought about conversion yet but I'm thinking to myself that if I were to ever convert then I would want it to do it you know the right way um so he put me in touch with the rabbi in Chabad which I happened to live you know 20 minutes walking distance so it kind of made sense to go to Crown Heights um 
to continue my learning because it was a lot closer than schlepping all the way to the other side of Brooklyn. Um, so I gave it a chance and, and then that's how I got put in touch with a rabbi uh, in Crown Heights that works for the Chabad Youth Organization. Um, so that's what got my foot in the door. So we are nearly out of time, but in terms of a closing message, um, if there are any searching souls out there, we don't do, we don't proselytize. We don't look for converts, but sometimes, I don't know, when I see people with stories like you that find the Jewish people and they say that it feels like home, um, it feels like maybe they're just lost souls that are returning to where they belong to. So any advice for the person listening who um, is out there searching and thinks that maybe Jewish is home for them? Uh, I think the main thing is to really look inside yourself and honestly, like take your ego out of, you know, your, the decision-making process. This is the time where you're, you're allowed to be vulnerable. You're allowed to really look in yourself and see on how you want to change. Again, I had a very, you know, pivotal moment in my life that made me look at myself like I should have done better. I could have done better. And it led me here. And I'm so happy that, you know, it took 12 years. Um, you know, it, it's a very slow process, um, but the patience is, is worth the wait. And you really need to look at yourself and, and be truly vulnerable on what you can really accomplish um, in your life for change. It could lead to you becoming a Jew and it could not, and that's fine. Orthodox Judaism isn't for everyone and that's absolutely okay. Um, but change is for everyone and that's what's going to make you happy in the end as long as you're true to yourself. And actually well, one more super fast question, uh, 20 second <laughs> response for the Jews that are listening that might not think there's anything so special in their heritage. You chose it. What do you want to tell them? Oh my gosh. It's, it's absolutely, it's, it's limitless how, how high you can fly just, you know, with, yeah. with a chumash uh, and a confident Orthodox rabbi. Awesome. Well, um, we wish you um, just a wonderful stay now that you found your way home um, and uh, continued uh, meaning and joy um, and love of your identity. Uh, we are a small nation, but we are so happy that you have joined our people. Um, and it's a little bit brighter because you're, you're part of it, Yael. So um, thank you so much. And uh, Chag Sameach. Chag Sameach. Thank you. And you can catch the same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.